Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, invites you to be the informed patient with the podcast that features experts from Central New York's only academic medical center. I'm your host, Amber Smith. For people with colorectal or bile duct cancer that is spread to the liver, a new treatment option may improve survival and life expectancy. Dr. Michal Dahir is here to tell us about hepatic artery infusion therapy. He's an associate professor of surgery at Upstate and section chief of hepatobiliary and pancreatic surgery. Welcome to the informed patient, Dr. Dahir. Thank you for having me. First of all, do colorectal and bile duct cancers typically spread to the liver? Yes, uh, the, the colorectal cancers, they typically arise in the colon and rectum part, which is connected to the liver um, through a big vein called portal vein. So liver becomes the next step for many of these cancers. And in general, 50% of the patients with colorectal cancer will have spread of the disease to the liver during their lifetime. Um, the bile duct cancers, which are particularly relevant to this type of therapy, are the ones which start within the liver. The medical term we use for these are intrahepatic. That means the ones which are arising within the liver, those are the ones which are uh, treated by this type of treatment. And how has this traditionally been treated when you have a colorectal or bile duct cancer that has spread to the liver? In the past, how's it been treated? For colorectal cancer, surgery has been the forefront of treatment in addition to chemotherapy. There are other treatment options for some of the patients as well. For example, radiation or injection of radioactive particles into the liver. And uh, hepatic artery chemotherapy has been around for some time, but just not at our institution. Similarly, for the bile duct cancers arising within the liver, um, it's combination of surgery with chemotherapy. And for patients who are not candidates for surgery, it's typically uh, chemotherapy uh, alone in conjunction with radiation for some patients. So tell us about what is hepatic artery infusion therapy? How does it work? One of the unique things for uh, these uh, colorectal liver metastases, as well as the bile duct cancers arising in the liver, is that they derive their blood supply from the hepatic artery, which is the liver artery. And liver in itself has two blood supplies, the artery and the vein. So the principle of this therapy is to deliver the high dose of chemotherapy directly into the artery, which supplies these tumors. And in a way, it could be 400 times more effective than infusing the same chemotherapy in the IV form. So that it goes just to the liver as opposed to the whole body? Yes, yes. And 95% of this chemotherapy is cleared by the liver within 10 minutes, and a um, very small amount of the chemo goes into the circulation. So a lot of it is effective locally with very small amount of uh, side effects which patients experience. So that's the main uh, strength of this treatment. That's, that's good to know. Now, what are the risks of this procedure? Because to get this to be done, you have to insert a pump, right? That's true. That's true. That traditionally has been um, one of the drawbacks of this therapy that you have to undergo procedure 
to implant a pump which sits underneath the skin and put the catheter in the liver artery. But more and more data suggests that it really prolongs life and patients do bounce back quickly from the procedure itself. And uh, over the last few years, we are also doing this procedure robotic. We haven't started doing it robotic here at Upstate, but that's something I trained in and I have written about it in the past. Uh, however, we started our program as uh, offering it open to our patients and uh, making it readily available to them. How long does the infusion therapy last once the pump is implanted? It really depends on what the intent of the treatment is. In a way, if we are doing the treatment for, it can be done in two ways. I should clarify that. One, for patients where we cannot remove their disease, where the disease is unresectable, that's the term we would use. For those patients, either it can be for as long as they can tolerate, or if the tumors become resectable, we can take them to surgery down the road and stop treatment at that time. Or if some side effects of the treatment start showing up. So it can vary from patient to patient how they tolerate, at what point do they develop any side effects, and if their disease becomes amenable to surgery down the road. So if all goes well, does the pump get removed at, at the end of the chemotherapy? That's an excellent question. Um, it is possible to remove the pump. The, the procedure to remove the pump is actually much simpler where you just make an incision and remove the pump. We leave the catheter in the artery as such, and it doesn't pose any threats or side effects. But there are other medications which can be put into this pump which keep it open and the, those medications can be replaced every three months or so to make the life of the patients easier. This is Upstate's The Informed Patient Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Smith. I'm talking with surgeon Mashal Dahir, who's the section chief of hepatobiliary and pancreatic surgery at Upstate. And we're talking about a new hepatic artery infusion pump that can help some patients with certain cancers that have spread to the liver. Now, who would be a candidate for hepatic artery infusion, and is there anything that would disqualify someone? The, the two particular diseases for which we use this therapy are the colorectal liver metastases. So in general, um, it is recommended for those patients who have unresectable disease. That means disease which cannot be removed which typically involves both sides of the liver. And such patients also should not have disease outside the liver as well, for example, to their lungs or bones, because we are delivering this therapy to one organ only. And same for uh, unresectable bile duct cancers, the intrahepatic cholangeal, like we discussed before, these are the bile duct cancers arising within the small bile ducts within the liver. So unresectable disease is one clear-cut indication. But in some patients where we resect the disease, but they have lots of lesions in the liver, pump can still be implanted to prevent recurrence down the road or to treat the recurrence if they were to develop one down the road. How soon do you know whether the therapy is working? 
This is similar to um, as we um, do for most patients who undergo chemotherapy. Usually we check the scan after two to three months of treatment. If patient has elevated blood tumor markers, which are elevated in some patients with bile duct cancers and colon cancers, we can also check those in their blood levels. But usually we check the scan in about two to three months after the treatment. So far, how does the effectiveness with the hepatic artery infusion compare with traditional chemotherapy? Over the last few years, there have been several studies. More recent data suggests that actually if we use both rather than one versus other, it can um, enhance their effectiveness. And in patients who have unresectable disease, if we add this therapy to their chemotherapy regimen, it can actually double their survival. So um, it depends on the intent. And for unresectable patients, if it is added to chemotherapy, over 30 to 40% of those patients can become resectable down the road. So the data is very, very encouraging, especially when we combine this with modern chemotherapy regimens. It does sound encouraging. There are other types of cancer that travel to the liver. Would an infusion pump work for those cancers too? In general, um, this therapy is not recommended for those types of cancers just because the mode of spread is different. and uh, they progressed at different times, and, and it's, it's a more systemic disease when we think of those types of cancers. So I would say intrahepaticolangio as well as the colorectal liver metastases are the two major indications for uh, hepatic artery infusion chemotherapy. Well, I understand you recently published a paper about the global trends in primary liver cancer. Can you share the highlights? Thank you for bringing that, that, that up. Um, um, so I think uh, it was interesting that traditionally there has been um, increase in the incidence of the primary liver cancers. What we saw when we studied the global CAN database was that the numbers are starting to plateau. And I think some of it may have to do with some vaccinations in endemic areas, for example, hepatitis B, and, and so forth. But I think these things may change in future as well as we see obesity and other diseases which can impact liver health increase. They may impact the numbers going forward, but uh, so far compared to 2012 and 2020, um, based on the database, the numbers seem to be plateauing, which is a good news in general. Which regions are historically endemic for liver cancer? The eastern um, region, uh, including China, um, would be one. Um, but then there are certain parts of the Africa um, and the different regions. WHO divides the world into six, six major regions. So uh, I would say uh, uh, there are several endemic regions, but Eastern Asia has been one of the uh, major endemic. Well, it's encouraging if the incidence is going down, that's going in the right direction, I suppose. Yes. Well, Dr. Dahir, thank you so much for making time for this interview. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. My guest has been Dr. Michelle Dahir, an associate professor of surgery at Upstate and section chief of hepatobiliary and pancreatic surgery. 
The Informed Patient is a podcast covering health, science, and medicine, brought to you by Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, and produced by Jim Howe. Find our archive of previous episodes at upstate.edu slash informed. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend to listen too. And you can rate and review the Informed Patient podcast on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, or wherever you tune in. This is your host, Amber Smith, thanking you for listening.